Every day, I am getting one step closer to having another healthy baby, and Caraway Home is helping me do that. Their ceramic, naturally slick surface cookware allows you to cook with minimal butter. Uh, they're very easy to clean, just a little warm water, you wipe it down. And the best part is, is that Caraway products are made without any toxic materials like BFASs, BTFEs, and a bunch of other things like I can't even pronounce. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, right now, visit Caraway wayhome.com slash TSFS to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive to my Sarah Fraser Show listeners. So visit carawayhome.com slash TSFS or use code TSFS at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. It's time for you to see what all the fuss is about, read about their five-star reviews and why so many TSFS fans buy Caraway Home. Order now. Join Reddit on Wiki every Monday and Friday for some of the most jaw-dropping stories Reddit has to offer. With each episode, John, Sean, and Josh meticulously curate the most engaging content from Reddit, transforming it into a podcast experience filled with laughter, awe, and sometimes disbelief. I, I bet. Get ready for a roller coaster ride of emotions with the most captivating stories from the corners of the internet. Subscribe to Reddit on Wiki wherever you get your podcasts. Famous photographer, really. Your photography, like, is initially what put you on the map here in Hollywood, right? Yes, and uh, and that's it. Used to be, I'd go to a dinner party or be somewhere, and they're just like, "Oh, this is Scott. He's a photographer. He shot this person, that person, this person." And now I went to a dinner party the other night, and they're like, "Oh, this is Scott Nathan. He's a TikToker." And I'm like, "All right, all right." <laughs> unlikely tiktoker i love it middle-aged jewish tiktoker (laughs) it's so perfect um you're a sugar baby consultant which is how i fell in love with you because i'm obsessed with sugaring and if i had known you like 20 years ago 15 years ago when i was first living in dc i would have been the richest sugar bitch because like i you know it's i think i have old man complex but i lost my dad when i was in high school and you know when you lose a parent you almost like attract so I attract old men, you know, with money, but I never knew how to really get the money out of them and, and keep it. Um, I needed you. But anyway, you know, it all works out. I found my husband, so it was okay. You did. and But I have been having some clients that I've been really like helping. I, well, we're going to get into it because yeah. I still want your sugar tips because the, one of the, the things that I was so drawn to you is I had heard you on Juicy Scoop podcast, who I, I love Heather, um, and you were you were basically also advising sugar babies how they should spend their money because so many luxury goods we think these luxury goods hold resale value but it's it's really not true only like a limited list actually hold their value yeah, like two I know so we're going to go through that yeah. um but you're also newly an author of the book um the big book of bad decisions yes everybody needs to pre-order because you have over 100,000 followers on TikTok because you're an amazing storyteller thank you You've lived in Los Angeles for years, and this collection of working with celebrities from Katy Perry, and and it was did you work with Tess Holiday too? Yes. Is the Tess Holiday nude shoot your most famous photograph? What's your most famous photograph? I would say, I would say Dita Von T's vision is one of okay. my most famous photographs, and Katy Perry One Night Stand is a very famous one that people go, oh, you shot that. Or okay. the Maroon 5 one with the jet. People love that one. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, well, you have a new book out that people need to... You've, you've been fundraising for it, and are you officially taking pre-orders? Well, I'm taking pre-orders via Kickstarter. Okay. So um, I'm not sure when this will air, but the campaign ends on November 9th, which is also my birthday. So I figured, let's just roll the dice. This will either be the best or the worst birthday ever. And now it's going to be the best one. <laughs> well, it's going to, we'll plug it because it's going to air before November 9th. So Great. people still have time to be a part of the Kickstarter. Where, what's the website? The website is baddecisionsbook.com and then just click Kickstarter. And there's all kinds of rewards. You can get martinis with me at Musso and Frank. There are photo shoots. There are five packs and 12 packs. There are There's brunch at the Polo Lounge. There's all kinds of experiences. You can have me as a dinner party guest, uh, which could go either way. 
Okay, well, I've been out with you. And by the way, I'm assuming our story of when, I won't name where it was, but we had this very fancy lunch, yes. um, the two of us. Yes, and we, we walk in and of course, Kanye West and his wife, <laughs> Bianca, are sitting there, right. you know, and she's sort of, you know, like blank in the face. He yeah. is a little too. Yeah. And we're both, uh, well, you're not as starstruck as I am, but I'm like, oh my God. It wasn't that interesting of a story. So I don't think it made the cup for the book, but that was a fun day. You're a good, I, I say that to say you're a good lunch or dinner date. Yeah, I kept because I, the universe always gives me the opposite of what I want. So I've always found Ka Kanye incredibly irritating. So like so five, five times in a row, I went to lunch at this place and they seat me right next to him. And the first time I went there, he's just saying openly anti-Semitic things like we're in London or something. And uh, he's going, they could cancel, they could, they could cancel, uh, they can cancel my social media, but they can't cancel my voice. You know, Nazis didn't invent the swastika. And I'm like, this motherfucker. And, I, and I'm just, and I literally just get up and I move tables. And he's kind of staring at me like, why'd you move tables? Um, were you, let's go back for like a second. Because yeah. you grew up in Illinois. And I'm wondering if you, like, did you, were you always a people person or sort of have a knack? I mean, you have a true knack for reading people, I think is one of your gifts. Like, what were you like as a kid? I was a, I mean, I was a skinny, pale, ginger kid in the suburbs, which is, uh, can make you a target if you don't have a survival mm -hmm. instinct. So I was not, you know, I was not a jock. I was not banging the head cheerleader under the stands or rushing a thousand yards a game. So I was like, what can I do to survive? So being funny was one of them. So I learned to navigate a lot of different social circles by being funny, by being the prankster. And when I was a little kid, it was like the fake dog poop and <laughs> the whoopee cushions and all that. But I learned to, like, I became friends with jocks. I became, be, you know, because they could protect me. And I became friends with the pretty girls. I didn't get anywhere with them, but I became friends with everybody so I could just sort of move between social circles, which I, I think is a enabled me. I've carried that through my whole life. Did you think you were going to be a comedian when you grew never, up? Never, never. What did you think you were going to be? Um... I wanted to work in music. Music was my first love. Really? And I did for many years. You did? What'd you do? I, mean, I don't feel like I've heard you tell music stories. What'd you do in music? So um, I graduated from college. I went to work for a management company that managed a few Chicago acts. Uh, got, you know, some of them got signed. None of them went anywhere. But it was in that golden age of Chicago music when the Smashing Pumpkins were hitting and Material Issue and Liz Fair. And it was a really great time to be there. And then uh, I had kind of, and I was promoting concerts there and I was doing clubs and I wanted to be an A&R guy. And so I moved to LA wow. and I got a job that lasted, I don't know, a month at Atlantic Records and Napster happened and everybody lost their jobs. And I was like, what am I going to do next? Like there is no more music business. And there wasn't for a while there until Steve Jobs made that offer 99 cents iTunes, which oh, kind of yeah, saved, saved the music business. And my friend Kevin was tasked with doing that. So with my, creating what? Like creating the... So Steve Jobs sent him and he says, you're going to meet with all the labels. It's not open to negotiation. 99 wow. cents. That's our offer. Take it or leave it. So he told me this one amazing story and Kevin... God rest his soul. I'll tell the story because he's gone now. But Kevin said that he went and took a meeting at Hollywood Records, which was the Walt Disney Company's record company, and just said, listen, I have no power to negotiate here. This is a directive from Steve. We're selling your songs for 99 cents. You either sign with us or you don't. And the guy says, you can tell Steve Jobs that I said personally that he can go F himself. And my friend Kevin goes, you know, Steve Jobs is the num is the largest shareholder of the Walt Disney Company, right? And he goes, no, he's not. Oh, yeah, Pixar. Yeah, don't tell him I said that. <laughs> Take it back. So you, you come into music. And then how did you get into photography here? Well, I'll get there. So, uh, yeah. so then I was just like, well, this internet thing is new. Maybe I can make some money off of that. So there's this really good friend of mine that I came yeah. up with in Chicago named Parker Bennett. And Parker Bennett was a college student at the... University of Wisconsin-Madison, and he wrote a screenplay in college with his best friend, and they sold it to Hollywood, and it got made into a movie. 
This was a movie called Mystery Date with Ethan Hawke and Terry Polo. Okay. And uh, which is amazing to sell a script while you're undergrad. Like really hard happen. to do, right? You know, yeah, yeah, it's very hard to do. So he did that, um, and then and then wrote the Super Mario Brothers movie, the first one with Bob Hoskins and Dennis Hopper. Okay. And he worked in advertising for a while, and he was a great artist and a great creative and great at everything. And I was pretty good, pretty good at talking to people. So I was like, you know, Parker, these website things are brand new. I'll bet you I could convince what movie studios that they need websites. And he goes, give it a go. <laughs> give it a go. So I got invited. I couldn't afford to go home for the holidays. I didn't really have a career going. And a friend of mine invited me to his family's house for Passover. So I, or Hanukkah or whatever, I think it was Passover. And I went over there and I meet Sid Scheinberg, who was the president and chief operating officer of MCA Universal. This guy was a legend. This guy gave Steven Spielberg his start. Wow. And he had just days earlier won the Oscar for Schindler's List for Best Picture. Mm. So I'm getting to know this guy and he's like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a computer guy. You know, your movies should have websites. And he goes, should they? What are they? And I'm like, they're basically free advertising. Instead of paying for all of Jeez. these ads, that's the way I pitched it. They'll be evergreen. They'll just be there. And millions of people with computers, they can come see them. So he's just like, all right, let's, let's have a go. So I did a bunch of websites for him. And then for Paramount and for Sony and for some fashion brands. And then we were kind of early social media marketers so i had these guys in india write a bot to make friend adders for myspace oh my god so i started taking on brands and i and uh and 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 just growing massive followings for that which is now a thing well everybody everything has bots right i mean you can buy bots to make your music number one your podcast everything yeah so i was doing that in the beauty business so then photography, I always did as an enthusiast. I always had, mm. I had a dark room at nine years old and I was always just the nerdy kid walking around with a camera. I was just into it. And, um, and then I was playing golf a lot and I became friends with these two guys named Dean and Davis Factor. And Dean and Davis Factor are the founders of Smashbox Studios and Smashbox Cosmetics. And they're the great grandsons of Max Factor, the legendary makeup oh, sure. artist sure, okay, and cosmetics titan. So we were walking up the 18th fairway at Riviera Country Club one day after a round of golf, and they said, uh, "We've decided you're turning pro as a photographer." I was like, "You guys are out of your mind! I'm finally making a good living at something. I'm not starting a career in the arts in my late 30s." And they're like, "Yes, you are." So I said, "How's this going to work?" So Davis, the photographer wow. brother, said, "You're going to come on set with me." You're good with computers and you know cameras. These professional digital cameras were brand new. He goes, I want you to test them out. I want you to let me know what you think of them and let's give it a go. And I'll teach you everything there is to know about studio lighting and managing publicists and running a celebrity shoot and studio photography, the things that you don't know. But you have to promise me one thing. And I said, what's that? He said, um, he said, one day I'm going to decide that I can't teach you anymore and I'm going to fire you and you cannot go assist other people. You have to fly. I'm going to kick you out of the nest. So so we were eight, nine months in oh my God. and we finished the shoot. I think it was Christina Aguilera. And he goes, thank you, everybody. Thank you, hair. Thank you, women, makeup. Thank you, wardrobe. Scott, you're fired. And I was like, wait, what? And he goes, I told you it's time to fly, little birdie. Get out of the nest. So... Um, Take a sip of water. I call him the Nozempic Ben on Ozempic doctor. I'm talking about Dr. Applin and his wife who founded My Optimal Body. I am so happy about this. These are the first mindful eating-based doctors I have ever partnered with. They see patients nationwide, and they are seeing more patients who have been on Ozempic, and Ozempic has failed for them. What makes My Optimal Body so unique, and why am I endorsing them? It's because Dr. Applin actually looks at food additives, your, your addiction to food, your mental health. They do a whole look at you, including your gut health. Many of Dr. Applin's patients are working out, restricting their diets, and still gaining weight. Why is that? Because something's going on in your body and with your mind. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment. Be sure to tell them the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment, plus a bonus free 30-day supply of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. Again, that's MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment. 
How about getting up to five hours of your life back when you sign up for Hungry Root meal prep and delivery service? I'm obsessed. I have ta- I've tried a lot of meal prep boxes. This is one of my favorites. In fact, I actually emailed the client to see if I can get like a year's supply. <laughs> They're like, Sarah, use your own damn code. Anyway, right now, I want you to go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS because you are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. The average Hungry Root customer saves five hours a week. Ah, that was us. On top of that, um, you can pick from vegetarian, keto, meat, anything that you like. Right now, Hungry Root is offering TSFS listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. As I mentioned, just go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS to get 40% off your first delivery and get those free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash TSFS. Also, don't forget to use my link so Hungry Root knows who sent you. Yeah. Yes. I know you've been working on your audiobook five hours straight yesterday and recording a yeah. podcast. Yeah, so, you're so like, excuse my gritty voice. So, um, so I sat on my couch for three weeks going, I should have tested more when I was assisting him. I only did like two shoots and, uh, I get a call from his old head of marketing at Smashbox Cosmetics. And she said, can you shoot beauty the way Davis does? I said, yeah, I know all of his tricks. And she goes, do you know this company called Too Faced Cosmetics? I said, yeah. Uh, I said, but they don't use photography. They just use this kind of cheesy stock illustration. And she goes, not anymore. I left Smashbox. I'm going to work for them. I want to grow this brand up. I want you to put together a creative brief wow. and uh, see if I can sell you as the photographer. So it wasn't the most original creative brief. I was just like, oh, they're a cutesy brand. I was go. I said, we'll go two-faced. One blonde, one brunette, one good girl, one bad girl, like James Bond or Gilligan's Island or Betty and Veronica. You know, it's yeah. an old tried and tested theory. So I pitch them and sell it in the room. So they're like, we've never done a photo shoot before. What's the what's the first step? So I said, uh, casting. So mm. they said, okay, hold one. So I do a casting over at LA Models, and I see about 100 blondes the first day. And the fourth girl to walk in the door was this girl named Lyndall Jarvis, this South, Af- South African beauty who was just terrifying, looking like sapphire eyes and bee-stung lips. And I was just like, oh, she's... She's my scary girl. And I'm like, booked. And then the next day I saw about 100 brunettes. And I'm just like, there is nobody in this town. This, like, this, there, there's not one model that speaks to me here. And they're like, who'd you find? And I'm like, nobody. I need another casting day. And now these guys are getting nervous. They're like, you saw 100 models in Los Angeles and you can't find one brunette right, you like. Right. And I'm like, no. It's a bunch of soggy white bread here. So... I go, I need another casting day. So I have another casting day, and I see like 40 stragglers that couldn't make it to my first one. You know, the ones that, you know, just the ones that couldn't make it the first time. So I was just like, guys, there's nobody here. Um, Can we look at models from New York? Can we look at girls from like IMG? And they're like, Scott, you were out of your mind. We don't have the budget to fly in and house models from New York City. No, you better pick somebody from the tape or we will. So I go, so I go home, and I'm just sitting and thinking, and I just met this girl and become friends with her. Uh, named Katy Perry. And I met Katy Perry on the street. Me and my girlfriend were walking into Chateau Marmont one night. And we see this girl who's got like a polka dotted dress and white sunglasses and white high heels and this brown fake fur coat. And she's like, excuse me, you guys. Excuse me. Excuse me. And me and my girlfriend were just like, yeah. And she goes, do you guys know how to get into this place? And we were a little drunk and festive. And we're like, yeah, she's with us. Come on in. So we smuggle her into Chateau, and she sits down with us, and she's like, what do you do? She's like, and I'm like, what do you do? And she's like, I'm a singer. I was like, I worked in music. She's like, do you still know people in music? I'm like, I know everybody in music. She's like, can I give you my demo? And I still have it. It's like a seven-song CD. So this was like before she'd ever put out, like, I kissed a girl. There was no, I mean, she wasn't, oh. fa- nobody knew her. She was a girl with an acoustic guitar with long floral dresses, the daughter of two Christian traveling yeah, yeah, ministers, yeah. ministers from Santa Barbara. She was right off the boat in L.A. And we became fast friends. And I was just like, here we go. And, and, you know, when you do what I did, you listen to 20 bad demos a day and you're like, verse, chorus, garbage can, verse, chorus, garbage can. Everything is awful. And I listened to her and I'm like, oh, my God, every one of these songs is amazing. And they were cheap little like kind of four tracks. Wow. You just knew she had it. She had it. And she She had the looks and she had the pipes and she was a good writer. So I started going with her to the Hotel Cafe. Which is you know a little a little place in Hollywood, and I would with my camcorder 
shoot her shows. And you can see some of them. Some of my old Katy Perry things from 2005, 2006 mm-hmm. are on, on my YouTube channel. So I call the CEO at 10.30 at night from Too Faced, and I said, you know what, I got an idea. And he goes, what is it? I said, I've got this girl. Uh, she's not a model. And he goes, who is she? I said, she's a singer. He goes, oh, that's an interesting idea. What label she signed to? I said, she doesn't have a record deal. <laughs> None. And he goes, Scott, are you out of your mind? Are you really going to put your balls on the chopping block for an unsigned nobody singer? And I said, yes. And he said, what's her name? I said, Katy Perry. He goes, I've never heard of her. I said, you will. He goes, listen, Scott, we'll meet her. But if we don't like her, we're picking someone from the tape. And I said, okay. So I called Katie. And we always call each other by our last names. And I'm like, hey, Perry. She's like, hey, Nathan. I go, what are you doing tomorrow? She's like, I've been stalking this guy, Glenn Ballard. And I'm like, I know who he is. He's the Alanis Morissette guy. Which he's the famous, is he the famous music producer? She like went to his house and knocked on his door and gave her demo to him. Do you I don't, hear that I don't story? know that story, but okay. I know she stalked him and she, yeah, was not yeah, afra- yeah. she was not afraid to stalk anyone, which okay. God bless her, it worked. Yeah. So I go, you got to reschedule it. And she goes, I'm not rescheduling it. I've been stalking this guy for months. And I go, how much money do you have right now, Katie? And she's like, nothing. And I go, I have a photo shoot that pays $7,500 a day. I'm there, baby. She goes, what do I have to do? I said, charm two gay guys in a room in Orange County. She goes, that's my jam. I said, I know. So I said, I'm picking you up at 11 a.m. So I drive over to her, her place. And I pick her up. And we drive down to Newport Beach. And we get in the room. And we take a spin through her MySpace page. We listen to her demos. She charmed them. We sold it in the room. And it was the smartest and dumbest thing I've ever done in photography. And in very short order, Katie blew up. Two faced blew up. Yeah. And I was I wanted to be Annie Leibovitz and shoot Rolling Stone. I wanted to shoot music. But as the saying goes, you chop down one tree and everyone thinks you're a lumberjack, and I became the beauty guy. How um okay, and has that been the theme of your career? Like you seem like a guy from all the interviews I've listened to you on and just hanging out with you a few times. I mean, you almost seem like you never plan ahead. Like you literally just where the universe takes you or what it presents, like you Forrest go Gump. with. Yeah. You, and that's true. And, and, but that's worked for you. Like you, did you ever worry about money or? Always. I'm always worried about money. <laughs> you are, you never come off as it. And you seem to always stumble into it. No, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. I, th- I I don't know if the universe takes care of me or if I'm just, it's cat toy that it just bats around ad infinitum and just doesn't have the decency to finish me off. <laughs> well, do you recommend to people living the way that you've lived? No, <laughs> no. Go to law school. Oh, all right. Okay, okay. Become a plastic surgeon. <laughs> have some stability. But my addiction is, look, some people are drug addicts. Some people like alcohol. My addiction is story. My addiction is, like, it's not lost on me. Like, I know when a date's about to go south. But I, I want to see the train go off the cliff. I know. I, and and how, so how is it that you became a sugar consultant? Because... Are those the videos that are your biggest on TikTok? Your, you know, how to start sugaring, sugar tips. And you know what I love about you that's so heartfelt is, and I never see people talk about this, is you actually tell sugar babies how to be safe. Like, and it's very detailed. Because I care about them, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want you to make money, but I also don't want your head to get cut off with a hacksaw. Yeah. And people go into, you know, I talk to girls all the time. Women and they're are like, very naive. Oh I, oh, I met this guy on a, on a on Craigslist, and I'm going to meet him at a hotel by the airport. And I'm like, do you have a copy of his ID? Do you know what his LinkedIn is? Like, do you know anything? Don't, don't go. She's like, yeah, but he's going to pay me $1,000. I'm like, is $1,000 worth dying? So, yeah. you know, I care about people. I really am an empath. And, you know, and I see the comments and people are like, this guy's a pimp. And I'm like, I am no pimp. I would not be living in an apartment in Hollywood if I was a pimp. I would be doing, I would be much more successful. <laughs> but, much uh, wealthier. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, but, it's so. But they are among my most successful. But they started off as kind of a joke. They were supposed to be kind of tongue in cheek with a bit of useful information. Because why? You just, you are able to read people and you know people well. So what? These women that were friends of yours in your life would be like, oh, I'm getting ready to go out with this attorney in Brentwood and. And he wants to give me $5,000. And like you just sort of knew people. And it actually of- happened the other way around. So I knew women who were models, who were sugar babies, who were really good at it. And then ah. adult performers who were escorts slash sugar babies. And they would tell me all the ways they screwed up. And then I would distill that information down and then share it with other people. Like I'm just like, if it's a burner phone number, ditch them. 
uh, if it's a real phone number, you can do a reverse lookup of their phone number. You know, this one girl goes, oh, I met this really hot Iraqi guy and I'm getting on his plane and we're going to Colombia on vacation. And I'm like, whoa, man overboard. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't like any of this. I want you to. I'm like, have you been on his jet before? She's like, yeah, we went to Miami. I'm like, next time you get on the jet, I want you to take a selfie with the jet. But make sure you get the tail number in the selfie. So then she got the tail number, and I went on Flight Aware. And I'm just like, okay, he legit does this to own this jet. It's 35 years old, but it's still better than any jet I have, you know, <laughs> which is none. Which um, is not. But I'm just like, and with Flight Aware, and there's other websites like it, I could see every place this plane has ever been. And then I got to see the owner and the holding company. And I was just like, then I looked up this guy's business and I knew what he did. And I, then I figured out where he lived. And I was just like, all right, this guy's legit. He's got a house in Pasadena who was divorced. He was married to this woman. She's a doctor. All right, I think this feels somewhat safe. But like, I teach people to vet people. Um. Okay, were you always, like, did this start earlier in your career? Like, I feel like, I wish you had assisted Heidi Fleiss. Like, I feel like you would have kept her out of jail. Like, <laughs> it was my favorite. I'm obsessed with, I, like, love Heidi Fleiss more I've than anything. I have seen the inside of a jail cell, you know, all for little stuff. You know, like, I, I got arrested on college graduation night for failure to appear in court on a bicycle ticket. And I spent graduation night in a jail cell in my in my gown. Uh, so I was just like, yeah, this isn't for me. And my uncle was a judge. And whenever I'd act up, he once walked me through Cook County Jail. And I, so I could never have been Heidi Fleiss. I could oh. never be a sex trafficker. I, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I don't <laughs> like jail. They, they don't have bathtubs there. They don't have fluffy hotel robes. No I Pellegrino. I don't. Did she ever actually... Did she go... I guess she did go to jail, right, for a brief period of time? I can't mm -hmm. remember. She did. Okay, yeah, yeah she did. So. For a couple of I years. I used to see her around. I used to see her at On the Rocks, above the Roxy, with... Uh, what was her friend's name? Victoria Sellers, Peter Sellers' yes. daughter. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, my God, a legendary time in um, Los Angeles. And do you remember she had that store on the Third Street Promenade? Yeah, which was all her Heidi, um, what was it? Um, Heidi Ware. Heidi Ware, yes, I know. Yeah, and she worked there. It's not like she was just like she would Brandy Glanville. Like, she was there. <laughs> like, you'd the walk in. Like, well, I think, what, wasn't she, like, trying to have a legit business? I think she was trying to legitimately maybe get into fashion, but... Yeah. You know, prostitution. What's she doing now? Do we know? Well, she moved to Nevada. She's like a dream guest of mine. Um, and she's obsessed with parrots. I think she has something like 50 birds. Um, and, you know, she's done various different like reality show things, but she hasn't been on television in a hot second. I'm not I'm not exactly sure what she's doing for like work or. You should chase her down. I know. I've got to. a great guest. Oh, my God. I mean, what what stories? Um so you, okay, so you start kind of like these women, you know, you see them being successful. You're asking them what they're doing. You sort of learn the sugar game. Um, and I feel like sugaring exploded through the pandemic. Do you think that's true? I think, I don't know. I, I, I think it all began with porn going mainstream. Like I remember mm. like, you know, Compared, when I look back, I was a really kind of pie-eyed, square kid from the Midwest. I thought I was a rock and roll animal in Chicago. When I moved here, I was like, whoa, this place is dark. And I remember walking into Tower Records and seeing the Britney Spears record. The, you know, the, the, the... Oh, God, whatever. I know. Probably the first one, like, in 2000 with... And I, and I saw this cover, and I was appalled by it. And I was like, this is like child porn. Like, where do we go from here? And that's like nothing compared to now. I was like, what's next? Are celebrities going to start making porn? Yes. And sure enough, that <laughs> happened. Sure enough, then it was Pam and Tommy. Their and, sex tapes launched. Yeah. And if you look at it just throughout history, it's just like Marilyn begat Madonna, which begat Britney, which begat, you know, all of this other stuff. Yeah. And, you know, Pam and Tommy had their sex tape. And then Paris and Rick Solomon had theirs. And, and Kim Kardashian, and Kim famously. And what's his name, Ray J. Everybody's had and one. A lot of the Playboy. And then, it, and then it became acceptable. This is this is sex is the path to fame now. Yeah. Um and and I think the sugaring thing, yeah, everyone was struggling. Everyone was trying to make money. And it yeah, it's just it's kind of like, you know, it's I don't know. My grandmother used to say it's just as easy to marry a rich man as it is to marry a poor man. So really, what's the difference? My grandparents always said that too. And Sarah, <laughs> and Sarah, I'm asking you, what's the line? Like, what is the difference between my friends who are ex-models and playmates who married guys that look like Alan Dershowitz 
uh, and lived behind Gates in Brentwood Park and a straight-up sugar baby because everybody got what they wanted. No one's getting hurt. Guys like these nebbishy little lawyers could never get women like that if they didn't have the money. Right, right, and right. girls we see that. could never have a lifestyle like that without these guys. So... You know, who's the victim here? Um, no, and I, I always think, because um, I've interviewed and done many sugar things, you know, I always think it's what you're comfortable with. And um, people have arrangements, all kinds of things. And you that's know, the first thing I ask everyone. What are your boundaries? What are you, exactly, what are your boundaries? I mean, I always found the older rich men that I dated, the thing that was so hard is it's like, it is their life. Like you are basically going along for their life. You know, they golf every weekend, they rent a fishing boat. And it was like, I kept thinking to myself, do I want to, when this man is like 65 and I'm 38, like, do I want to be every fucking Saturday on a fishing, you know, striped bass fishing excursion? Like, yeah. not really. You know, yeah. do I really want, like for me, and some I people couldn't... are happy to be a plus one, but you're like a powerful alpha female who yeah, wants her it, own it career. Never and some women are really happy being a plus one. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I'm never like a stay home, not work. I just couldn't, you know, do it. And you know, you got to like maintain yourself. It's like, ah, fuck, I, you know, I haven't had time to get a boob job. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, I can't like, I want to go do other shit. Like, you know, I mean, I know these Beverly Hills housewives that are amazing to me because they're just like, I don't know how anyone has time to work. Right? They're because, so busy because getting they're their like, nails like, done, their hair. Like, I had hot yoga at 7 a.m. And then it took, took me three hours to get my extensions redone. And then I had to get color. And I had to get a manicure. And then I've got this charity event. Who has time to work? How about a bra that you don't want to take off when you walk in the door and you get home? Well, that's what Honey Love is known for. Honey Love has been a longtime sponsor of the Sarah Fraser Show because their bras and shapewear have gotten me through many of events. Their cami bodysuit is my go-to. The fabric is so soft. The shapewear holds me in in all the right places, makes my boobs look hot, and I don't even feel like taking the shapewear off immediately when I get home. That's how good it is. I'm also in love with their crossover bra, another product that is high quality, lasts for a long time, and again, you just feel so comfortable in their bras, and it's not like the old days where you want to take them off. Ladies, give the gift of comfort to yourself this holiday season, to a girlfriend, to your mama, whether you're attending a wedding, hosting a big Thanksgiving dinner, or simply seeking that everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is here. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save up to 50% off statewide at honeylove.com slash TSFS. This month only, inventory is very limited and the sale ends soon, so don't miss their best deals of the year after you purchase. They'll ask you where you heard from them. Please, please, please support the Sarah Fraser Show. Tell them that TSFS sent you. It's time to ditch the underwire for good. Thanks to Honey Love. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm never into sitting there for hair extensions. Yeah. Um, okay, tell me. So, like, you do give advice how people can start sugaring. What's, like, the two tips that you would give to start? Um, well, the first thing I – the first advice I give is really protect your identity. So I tell everyone, do not use any photos that you use on your social media for your seeking or your what's-your-price profile. Get new pictures because you can use Google reverse image search – and suddenly your identity is revealed and you're putting yourself in mm. potentially in harm's way. And, okay, but why is that? Because you want you want credibility from the sugar daddy. So why are you like not being forthcoming with who you truly are? You can be, but not for a first date. Not until you get to know someone because you don't know okay, you if don't... someone's a wacko out there and you don't, you know, All you right. can't trust these sites to fully vet people. Okay, got it. So that's one tip. What else would you say to start? Um I say I always tell them to meet in meet in a public place. Don't just go to a hotel room. Yes, you know, yes. And, and it doesn't have to be a dinner. That's a big commitment. Go meet for a coffee. Go meet for lunch. Go see how you vibe. Um, and I always say you can you can read more from a, from a person just by looking at the way they're delivering their words than what's coming out of their mouth, their body language, and and know what your comfort zone is. There are some girls who really. You know, want it? We'll have a date a week. Get to know someone. Maybe eventually have sex. And there, and then there are some girls I know that are just like, all right. I, I just get in the girl's car and just be like, all right, clock's ticking. Let's go. Let's go. Screw. Uh, I gotta get out of here. And I don't know. 
about you, but it's funny. I know I know several sugar babies too that they really don't even meet their daddies that often in real life. Like it's like a phone conversation. You're almost their therapist, and then you like send them sex photos. Like it's yeah. like a lot of that, and they there will send a, there you ten thousand dollars. It's wild. Yeah, I told I saw on Heather's show. I recently told a story about this one. I know she is the most successful sex worker in Australia. She owns five large houses, rents them out. I don't know if you saw this, but she told me, I said, what makes you, she only flies private and she's got a, like a, a collection of men around the world. And I said, what do you think distinguishes you from everyone else? Why are you so successful? I'm like, you're pretty, but you're not any prettier than all the right. other models out there. And she said, the thing that separates me from everyone else is I can walk into a room and I know exactly what a guy needs. And men, it's seldom sex, especially when they get older. Men want to be heard. Men want to be listened to. Men want to be nurtured. Sometimes they want to be held, but mostly they want to be listened to. And she said, and the last time I was in L.A., I went to this guy's big house in Bel Air uh, behind gates, and I walked in, and he was just on the couch. He just said, come in. He didn't even come to the door. And his house was trashed, and there were 10 pairs of shoes by the door, and his kitchen was full of dirty dishes. And I just started talking to him and I go, what's going on with you? And while I was talking to him, I just started washing his dishes, which led to me then mopping his floors, which then led to me just sitting on the couch and holding his hand and talking him through everything that was going on in his life. And at the end of that evening, it was three hours, I cleaned his house spotless and I walked out with $30,000. I know, amazing. I feel like I end up paying the men usually to leave. <laughs> <laughs> like like um, Cary Grant said, you don't pay them to come over, you pay them to leave. Them to leave. Um, what do you do with the money? I love, because I feel like this is advice for anybody, even if you're not a sugar baby, if you're just a successful woman. I mean, you are an expert in luxury, darling. I mean, so let's say we finally get the bag. We've secured the bag of 30 grand. You know, of course, we all, it's like our natural instinct to like, ooh, let's go buy shit. But you have a very distinct set of rules. You're like, diamonds aren't worth shit for the most part. Don't, you know, forget Gucci, forget Louis Vuitton. The resale is so low. So tell us what we're supposed to do with the money if we want the money to grow. I mean, which, yeah, you want an appreciating yes. asset. I mean, ultimately, real estate is the play. Yeah, right. Like, like a girl was telling me the other day that this guy was showing me around his house. And I'm like, uh-huh. And he goes, you don't seem that impressed. She said, you want to see a reaction out of me? Give me the house. Like <laughs> She's like, I could drive up in the hills all day long and see big houses. If Good they're not point. mine, I'm not getting a reaction. So, you know, what's in it for me? Good but, point. you know, like I had one. I'm not even going to call her a sugar baby. She was a straight up escort and a, and a mega one. And she just... I don't know. She she was able to just turn off her soul, and she was a she was a high end adult performer that was that got a booking agent for adult performers doing escorting, and in, in a little under a year, in about eight months, she accumulated one point eight million dollars in cash. How do I know this? We sat on my living room floor counting it. And I'm like, you got a real effing problem here now. Yeah, you do, right? Because there's really no place you can put it because this is like cash. You can't put cash. that in the bank. Yeah, and, right, and you right. She's like, well, I could just buy a house. And I'm like, when they say you're buying a house with cash, they don't mean physical cash. I'm yeah. like, you have a Scarface problem. You have to launder this money. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but, uh, you know, ideally, you know, it's like you have to, you want appreciating assets, you know. Ultimately, you want to buy, you know, houses, apartments, you know, Cars that you can rent on Turo, but if like your money is not making you money, if your if your passive income is not exceeding your cost of living, you're in the rat race for the rest of your life. So I try to you know coach people, and, and I'm no financial advisor, but you have to you know buying a Birkin bag, you might make money, you're not going to lose money, but it's not an investment. Right. It's just you know a thing. But you say Rolex watches. Don't buy, and you say buy a men's Rolex, not a women's Rolex. Yeah, Why? Women's, because well, women's watches are kind of out of style anyway. Nobody really wears them. Like women wear like big chunky gold Rolex Daytonas. But like Rolex, Patek Philippe, Audemars Piguet, Vacheron, Constantin. Um, you know, those are the watches that are going to hold their value or appreciate. Yeah, Rolex. You know, I, I've been a watch guy since I was a little kid, and I've never not doubled or trebled my money on every Rolex I've ever bought. And you say the only handbag worth buying? Wait, is Chanel? Doesn't Chanel? Chanel appreciate? and Hermes. 
Those are the only two that'll hold their value or appreciate. Or appreciate. And they were really appreciating during COVID because there was a production crisis. Right. So I had one woman who was getting divorced and her visa was running out and she had to go back to England. And I had to sell 120 handbags for her quickly. And we were crushing it. And I wasn't, even on Real Real, where they kind of stick it to you. But like, I'm like, because I've helped so many people, I'm at the absolute top tier at Real Real because I sell over 100 grand a year through them. But like, Amazing. this stuff was just going like wildfire and going for over retail. Um, and then I, f I feel like you also gave advice about like, cause a lot of women that are sugar babes, you know, they part of it is like keeping up your outfits and, but you always say shop at Saks. It's the only place where you no, not Saks. I said Barney's, which I guess is no more. I, it's kind of dated information now, but it was Barney's and oh. Neiman Marcus because you could return for cash for physical cash. Got it. Got it. Okay. Got it. So, so if your sugar daddy was going on a buying spree for you, take, wanting to take you shopping, you don't go to the Gucci store. You go to the Neiman Marcus and get the Gucci and then return it for the money. Got, but we don't know if you can do that anymore. It sounds like maybe their well, policies well, changed. Well, I don't know what Neiman's policy is, uh, but yeah, Barney's and Neiman Marcus would both give physical cash wow. now. Um, there are other, wait, someone else just told me another one that does, oh, Nordstrom apparently does that, a little lower end, but apparently Nordstrom will do it. Um, I always feel like, too, the sugar babies, everybody's always wearing a Cartier love bracelet. What's the deal with those? Do they increase in value or not really? It's a big problem with those right now. The only way you want a Cartier love bracelet is if you have the box and papers because it's the most counterfeited thing out there. Yes. And nobody I've will buy them. Uh, they're really hard to sell on the secondary market unless you have the box and papers with your name on them. But it's a real no-fly zone, that particular item. And is the resale even that good? On a real, if on you a, have on papers? A, on a real one, they're fine, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, I love all your luxury hot takes. Because, you know, I mean, we see all these people, like, they spend so much money on Gucci and Prada. and But you're right. I mean, you know, it's like buying a car. Once you drive off the lot, honey, we've lost 10 grand. That's I mean, right. what's the point, That's you know? Right. That's right. I had a woman come to me who was going through a divorce, and she brought in this giant Cartier diamond ring with a box. And... um and I brought it into Cartier just to get it cleaned and tartered up and to see if I could, if, if they could regenerate the paperwork because she said her husband bought it for her. And they're like, this isn't a genuine Cartier. And I'm like, but it's engraved. And they're like, this is fake. And and we know you, Scott. We're not going to confiscate it from you. And this is real this is real platinum and it's real diamonds, but this is not a Cartier. And here's my loop and look at it. And I look at the, at the main diamond in the center and it's just like full of dirt. And they're like, we would never sell a diamond of this quality. So there are people, man, jewelers manufacturing fake, but real stuff. And aren't diamonds like the biggest, I mean, I don't even think a Tiffany's diamond, right? Is worth that much. I mean, you're in, second unless, hand. Unless it's mega, you know, unless it's five like a, carat, you know, D v VS2, oh, right. D flawless. Yeah. But it, but it really is worthless unless it's got the brand. If you've got a Harry Winston, Van Cleef and Arpels, and it's a huge piece and it's flawless, then it's of value. But diamonds, diamonds are not rare. It's a, it's a, it's a cartel. It's a scam by De Beers and Groff. There's an unlimited supply of diamonds in the world. Forever and ever. And now they do um, those, oh my the God. Lab grown ones. Lab grown, right. Which are amazing. You can't even tell. The, I mean, unless you're a trained jeweler or somebody that's an expert to the eye, you can't tell the difference. Although they're not that even, much cheaper, even, though. Even some of the experts can't tell. And now they're required to do micro engraving on them. Oh, so people know. Yeah. And um, I, I met one of the guys who runs one of these companies. And he said that the whole plan for this was never jewelry. Like, they can spit out an eight-carat canary yellow diamond that's flawless, no problem in these pressure chambers. He said the plan was to sell enough jewelry to finance the, the future. And I said, what's the future? And he said, the future is computer chips because computer speeds double every 18 months, you know, the processing speeds. Okay. And eventually they're going to get to the point where they're going to get, they're going to produce the amount of heat that will liquefy silicon, silicon. Um, so the future is diamonds don't fucking melt at any temperature. So they're going to replace the silicon wafer with diamond wafers, and then they'll be able to have unthinkably fast computers. Oh, well, that's kind of, okay. Maybe our diamonds will be worth something in the future. Yeah, <laughs> very 
fascinating. Um, I have two more sugar questions, although I love this topic. Yes, ma'am. You've been a sugar babe yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you enjoy it? Well, yes, but suffice it to say, nothing is free. That's what I always tell people. I have a girlfriend who married a very wealthy man, and she said, Sarah, when you marry for money, you work for it every day. Yeah, my my grandma Goldie used to say, anybody who marries for money has earned it. I know, right? And you're going to earn it too. So you, because you, I love it. You, you've actually been a sugar baby where you were with this very wealthy woman. You know, you guys were living the life at um, Hotel Bel Air, which I just went to the, for the first time, thanks to you. Amazing place. I swear they rolled in Jack Nicholas in an oxygen tank in a wheelchair with his entourage, but just my guess. (laughs) I swear it was him. Um, But you know, of course they have a very strict no no picture, no video, no talk policy. Um, but you really did live the life for a while. But yeah, tell me, I how lived, was it I work? I lived in that Grace Kelly suite, and I flew private, and it was... Uh, but, you know, you're... you're, You know, I look, I, I loved her, and I, we had a lot of fun together. And when it was good, it was good. And it was, when it was bad, it was rotten. But, you know, people who have never been told no their whole life don't like being told no. So she'd be like, darling, I need you to run Beverly Hills and pick up my watches from service. And I'm like, babe, it's Thursday at 530. I'm not driving to Beverly Hills right now. She's like, I need you to go get my watches today. And I'm like, you have 10 watches here. I'll pick them tomorrow, you idiot. And then she'd be like, you will go now. And I'm like, no, I'm not going now. And then she'd just reach into her purse and hand me a Wells Fargo envelope. And I'd be like, what's this? She'd be like, 10 grand. I'd be like, fine, I'm going to Beverly Hills now. Because, <laughs> you know. It was, all, yeah, I'm sure it was like, you know, great we're all, all whores. We're just haggling <laughs> over the price. Totally, totally. Yeah, so it was just, I mean, yeah, being with rich people can be challenging. Yeah. And, you know, I can't remember who said it, but I, I think it applies to fame too. I think money or fame just magnifies what your personality is. Mm, if you're a giving, yeah. generous, kind person, you'll be a very giving and generous, kind, rich person or famous person. And if you're a prick who's given a lot of money and privilege, you will be a massive quantum prick. Um, where do you think the state of sugaring is right now? I mean, it was really hot. I think actually TikTok really brought awareness because TikTok to me was the first time that people publicly, whether it was gaybies or sugar babes or whoever, really told their stories of like why they do it, how they do it, how they get the money. I mean, it seemed to normalize this like long time trend, right? That's been happening since like the beginning of time. Well, I'll tell you, it's really pissing off the OG sugar, uh, the OG sex workers. <laughs> Really? Yeah, because the market's so flooded right now. And they're like, you've got oh. these girls that are effing guys for $300, and they're not going to pay me $1,500. And mm. so because the market's getting crowded, the you know, supply and demand. They have so many. These daddies have so many options. Now the price is going down. Yeah. Fuck. Um. Okay, uh, what else was I going to ask? Oh, oh, um, you. I feel like you've also given uh, recommendations for websites that are good. Like everybody used to do seeking arrangements um, for if you were interested in sugaring. Then I love the guy that owns seeking, found his wife on there, but now doesn't want to be associated with sugaring. Have you heard this? No. I can't remember his name, but he's come out and he does not want to be, um, so he wants seeking to be a very... Um, Legit dating. I mean, I don't know how this is possible, yeah, I but get, he, I get, you know, because because they asked me to be an ambassador for them. They did. You'd be fantastic. Why didn't you do it? So, well, I did in a way. So all of these companies, as soon as my first sugar tips video hit a million, every company from around the world in the sugar space yeah. hit me up. And I said, listen, I don't bait me with money. I want to talk to someone on the telephone and I want to ask you questions and I want to vet you. I want to know how you keep these girls safe. And the ones that wouldn't take a phone call with me were immediately disqualified. And so I talked to an executive from Reflex Media, which owns Seeking and Whip, which is What's Your Price? Do you know that Yes, one? What's Your Price? I was going to ask you about same, That's a good one. Company. Yeah, yeah. What's Your Price? So, uh, so yeah, so I have affiliate links in my, in my link tree and I make a few bucks here and there from it, but they, they passed my muster. So I like them. Now I have a friend who met her fiance from another app called Luxie, which is, you can get in the app store. Isn't Raya just like the high end <coughs> celebrity ver- I mean, I guess not, I guess on Raya, you're not supposed to ask people for money, right? Is that what? No, <laughs> no, but 
Uh, are well, you on Raya? I am on Raya. Because what's your status, by the way, right now? Are you single? Are I, you I am boot single. up? Or, I'm, ta- okay. I'm, I'm taking meetings. <laughs> you should be. Wait, were you ever married? Do you ever get married? No, but I, I mean, the vast majority of my adult life, believe it or not, has been in long-term relationships. Really? I just never saw a reason to involve lawyers or the state in my relationship. I, I feel like the state and lawyers just ruin everything. Well, and it's a 50-50 shot, right? I mean, you know, it's 50%. It's going to work out. Yeah, 50% it's not. So it's a big risk. So you've never, you've been fine with not getting married. Yeah, like our, our Kurt, uh, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, they seem to be doing just fine, not married. They're doing great. Like, why do we need a piece of paper from the government? Yeah. I guess if you work a corporate job, maybe you get some tax breaks or insurance. But yeah, and if you sell, have a me, child, sell me on why there's a real reason for it. I can't believe no one's ever wanted you to father their kid. I feel like, you know, you're you're a hot piece. Like what, you once. What who? Yeah. This My was, first girlfriend in LA. I who bet. I was dating for like three months. She was a real nut. She picked me up in the dog park in Laurel Canyon. <laughs> real nut. So I'm minding my own business. I was couch surfing and I took my friend's huskies to the Laurel Canyon dog park just to be a good house guest, walk the dogs. And I took a book and I just sat under a tree and I'm reading this book. This woman comes over to me and she goes, excuse me, is that damage you're reading by Josephine Hart? And I said, yeah, it is. And she goes, I love stories of erotic obsession. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, I've been in L.A. for five days and I've already met one of these. She so, wanted to have your kid. So I'm, no, so I end up in very short order uh, moving in with her in Bel Air, and then she goes, "I'm going to uh, I, I'm going to take my kids to Aspen for the summer." And I was like, "Okay, so I'll just fuck off then." And she goes, "No, no, keep the house." So I lived in her house in Bel Air for the summer, and then she's like, "Why don't you come out to Aspen?" So I came out to Aspen for a couple months, and. Uh, and then one day, just out of nowhere, we'd never discussed getting married. We'd never just, we were together for four or five months. And she just hands me a manila folder. And I go, what's this? She goes, I want you to father uh, my next, ch-. she already had two kids, a four and a nine-year-old. She goes, I want you to father a child for me with the surrogate. And I go, who's the surrogate? She goes, oh, they, the, the girl that works here at the house. <laughs> And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, I've already frozen my eggs. I want you to get her pregnant. I'm going to write you a check for $65,000, and you can never have contact with these kids uh, and and never have anything to do with this. And I was like, this is not very sexy. I don't like this conversation <laughs> at all. And I said, and while yeah, I could a- really use $65,000 right now, I don't like the idea of knowing I can never know my kids and they can never know who I am. So yeah. I'm going to pass Adina on that one. <laughs> Sadina. Um, I have two last questions for you. What, um, which TikTok has gotten you the most hate? I feel like I have a guess, but, um, guess. well, I think it's the Britney Spears one. You have a, you have a Britney Spears story of a woman that worked with Britney and then basically says we never should have freed Britney, but, so I'm like, oh, I bet he got a lot. I didn't get a lot of hate on TikTok, but people have told me I've gotten a lot of hate in Britney groups, but I'm not going to look them up. Oh, who cares? And apparently there's a there's a huge Scott Nathan hate thread on Reddit because uh, because of Juicy Scoop. Oh, of things well, I say on Juicy Scoop, but it's just like I don't read hate. I have enough things to make me feel bad about myself. I really don't need to. Yeah. So do you even? Yeah. Do you even read the comments? Do you even care? I read the comments because on I'm getting to the point. I don't it care. Is, I don't and care. Now I'm I'm doing I'm better with dealing with trolls. I just agree with them. Like someone will be like, I don't like this guy, and I'll and I'll reply like, I don't like me very much either. And then they feel bad. And they're like, I'm really sorry. You're funny. You know. So which one did you get? Which one did you get <clears> any backlash from? Or any, or maybe not even backlash, but a lot of comment about. Um, I feel like I don't get that much. No, I mean, I I don't see it either. You know, some people go like, oh, he's a pimp or he's a liar, but that doesn't bother me. I don't Um, know who the fuck cares. Or, or, or this, you know. I don't like your face. And then I just write back, I don't like my face either. I, do you think I ordered this face? I ordered the Brad Pitt. It was sold out. <laughs> you know, so you just have to roll with it. 
Okay, big book of bad decisions. Your new book that is out, everyone needs to get. Um, You're obviously going to be telling more in-depth stories from what you do on TikTok, but you say that this book is a little bit raunchy because, you know, TikTok's very PG. It's very clean. There are a a large swath of this book could never be told on TikTok. Okay, fantastic. Tell me a good drug story. What's a good cocaine story? You know, because cocaine was fun before fentanyl. Now you can't really do drugs. Um, So are there good drug stories in here, good porn stories? What's like the raunchiest? You know, we like raunch here on the Sarah Fraser mm, show. Let's have a look here. Well, we love raunch. We love a good, I mean, have we done cocaine off of Leonardo DiCaprio's ass cheek? You know, like we. I've never been a, I've never been a stimulants person. Oh. Um, but one time, I, one time a sugar mama kidnapped me, would not tell me where we were going. And she flew me on her jet to Amsterdam. And we took shrooms and got a private tour of the Van Gogh Museum, which was chef's kiss. <laughs> What is Van Gogh like? What does Starry Night look like on shrooms? Fucking fabulous. <laughs> like six times bigger. You're like in it. And, you know, like, yeah, I've always liked psychedelics. Like, I did mushrooms in the Vatican. If you've never done this, oh my I'll, g- I'll give you a money back guarantee because I'm telling you, you do shrooms and you go to the Vatican, you can feel Raphael and Caravaggio and maybe Christ. And is there St. Peter? They're there, and your channel, all that energy is coming through you, and the in the art, and the, it's just. I've had a bunch of people do this, and they're just like, "That was the best life advice I ever got." Was mushrooms at the Vatican, and then I, this is probably a coincidence, but Pope Francis used to follow me on Twitter. No more. What? Obama, Pope oh, France, and Obama oh, followed you Obama on Twitter. Obama still follows me on Twitter. Pope Francis unfollowed me on Twitter. What? Like, Holy Why? Father. How do you what? think that Pope Francis started following you? I don't know, but I was just like, come on, Il Papa. I'm like, mushrooms existed far before Christ, far oh before any of this. It's the oldest, it's the smallest, largest, and oldest organism in the known universe. And you would think, you know, he would, like, regardless, if you're a sinner, you'd think he'd stick around to help you, you know, find your way. Wow. And, and I'm kind of down with this Pope. I like him. I, I'm not a Catholic. I'm a Jew, but so I don't have I any of that enjoy, Catholic trauma. I like, I know, and I enjoy his humility. You know what I mean? It's a it's a nice deviation from. It sort of bothers me when any of these preachers go in private jet. And I understand if the Pope has to, because obviously you're so high profile, or da, uh, the Dalai Lama, or perhaps Joel Olstein, but it drives me fucking bananas. I mean, you know, the Pope prior used to come out in red Prada shoes, you know, loafers. Uh, It was like, all right, sweetheart. And I like this guy. He wears his old cross that he wore in Argentina. Yes, and he sleeps on like a little twin. I mean, he ought to treat himself to a queen size bed. I mean, but you know, he's very modest. I appreciate a modest man. I also just like, you know, people are trying to drag him into this whole Middle East conflict. And he just said... He probably just does nothing but pray. he, He said, he said... Love and embrace the Jews. They are elder brothers in faith, which. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah beautiful. You know, but I, I like this guy. I went on a riot date with a woman. I'll give that back to you. Yes. I went on a riot date with a woman the beginning of COVID. And we were like, no one knew what to do, how contagious this was. So we met in a park and decided to bring our own cocktails and sit really far away, like as far away as I am from Tatum and just like talk. And I had like. She had like white claws and we just drank them. And I said, what do you do? And she says, I'm a director. And I said, what's your claim to fame? She's like, I'm the only person who's ever directed Pope Francis, Madonna, and the Dalai Lama. And I go, not in the same thing, was it? And she goes, no, not the same thing. Oh my God. I go, how'd you get the gig shooting Pope Francis? And she said, I'm from the same town as him. And I just lucked into it. And it was for a children's charity thing. And I go, where? I go, I'm obsessed with the Vatican. Where did you shoot there? And she said, in the residence. I'm like, no effing way. Tell me everything about the residence. So she's like, I was so nervous. And there's all these Swiss guards and Vatican people. And everyone's really uptight. And she said, the Pope just popped into the room. And he told an old, and I hope I'm getting this right. He is Argentinian, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he walks in and he busts out an old classic joke in Spanish that everyone in the crew would get just to let all the air out of the tires and make everyone relax. And she was interviewing him. And she's just like, how is this? This must be so life-changing. And he said something like, if none of these people get rid of me, I think everything will be okay. Or he said something like that. But she said he was really funny and charming. Oh, I love that. He was like, as long as I last. But she said he was really down to earth and really cool. That's amazing. Yeah. I think that's what we want in a lot of our public 
representatives. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, okay. What? So big book of bad decisions. Um, we're going to get more amazing Scott Nathan story because you just have a knack for being in the right place at the right time. Um, okay. We're going to get raunchier. Is that going to come through or is that? Okay. okay. We're, we hear a little background noise, but I think we're all good. Um, is there a, I don't, I know you don't want to give away everything. Everybody needs to buy the book, but is there one story or is there a favorite or any, um, thing that pops out for you? Oh my God. Give me that back again. <laughs> <laughs> He's been, I know you've been doing five hours straight of reading and. I know. And you've probably done the material so much. No, so much of this I have not done yet. Um, I'm trying to think of something that I haven't done on TikTok. Oh, you want to hear about how I lost my virginity? Yeah. All right. Let's just start it. Let's do origin story. Okay, sure. Let's do it. All right. Now, what was this, 35 or? Very funny. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was 17. <laughs> I was 17. <laughs> And high, you know, high school was coming to an end, and I wasn't the, the I was not the first to lose my virginity. I did not want to be the last, but I had no prospects, none whatsoever. I mean, I was friends with everybody, but I, I hadn't really figured out women. Not that I have now, but I'm. I believe me, you hang out with you in real life. You just have a knack. I'm doing better now. And you, and I, go on, go on. Then I'll... So anyway, so um, so one night I'm playing with a bunch of private school kids from the city. And this kind of weird, chubby girl says to me, I hear you're a real sexual dynamo, Scott. And I'm like, I've never done anything before. I think I kissed someone playing spin the bottle once. And I'm trying to just like front. So I'm just like, well, you know. Not and, bad. And then we start talking on the phone. And she's like, do you want to have sex? And I was like, yeah. So she's like, my dad's going to be in Miami on business next week. Why don't you come over? So it's like a 40 degree below zero night in an ice storm in Chicago. And I get in my Toyota Land Cruiser and I am just sliding all over the road. And I'm like, nothing's going to stop me from losing my virginity. And it's like, I barely knew this girl. And she was not pretty and she was weird, but I just needed to get this out of the way. And I get to her dad's high rise on Lakeshore Drive and I go up to the apartment and it's like dark and she's got like one of those chrome arco lamps hanging over the couch and i was like nervous so i was thirsty and i wanted water but i felt like it was uncool to ask for water i know right yeah so she's like do you want a beer and she gave me like a room temperature heineken and i'm like and uh and i'm not making a move because i don't know how to make a move i don't know what i'm doing and we're just sitting there for like an hour and she's giving me that look like so and then she goes have you ever driven a ferrari before and i go no been in the back. I've been in one before. My dad, my friend's dad had one. I got a ride in one. She goes, Do you want to take my dad's out right now? I was like, No, the streets are covered with ice. If we take that Ferrari out, we will die. And she goes, We're taking the Ferrari out. I'm driving. And I go, Okay. So we go out. She makes it into first gear, throws it into second, floors it, throws it into third gear, spins it into a 360, slams it into a street lamp, showering me with glass, there's glass down my shirt. Bang my head, bang my elbow. I'm all fucked up. It's freezing out. And I go, we are fucked. And she goes, we are not fucked. And I go, we are totally fucked. I go, you're 15 years old. We just destroyed a Ferrari. She goes, no, we're going to be fine. I go, how are we going to be fine? She goes, we'll just say it was stolen. And I go, okay. <laughs> so we walk back in the freezing cold, like the five blocks or whatever it is. We get back and I go, what are we going to do now? And she's like, fuck it. So I go, okay. So I'm like, she had one of those, like, remember those 80s, like, front enclosure bras? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah, they don't yes. seem to exist anymore. No, I know but what they you were mean. just one. Yeah. And I could not figure out how to get this thing off. And it was one of those scratchy, nude, see-through ones. And she's just like, Ugh, God, here. Yeah, and right. I'm like, and I heard angels sing. I'm like, boobs. <laughs> and we're figuring it out. And she's like, Did, you brought a condom, right? And I'm like, no, no, I never bought one before. She goes, okay, well, just be careful. And I go, okay. I didn't exactly even knew what oh, that God. meant. So I'm like, oh, it doesn't go down. It goes, oh, it goes in. oh, I'm figuring it out. Like I, I didn't know how vaginas worked at all. I'm trying to figure it out. And she goes, be careful with, be gentle with me. I'm a virgin. And I, and I felt too cool to tell her that I also was a virgin. Oh, God. And I go, it's okay, babe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
Catch it three days later. Something is not right downstairs. And I'm like reaching into my underwear and there's like stuff coming out. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not good. So I'm like, give it another day. Next day it was worse. Oh, and I'm God. like, I can't tell my parents because that is a conversation nobody wants to have. So uh, I can't tell my friends because they will make fun of me about having, about hooking up with that big girl. <laughs> So I had to go to like the local Planned Parenthood uh, place by myself. So I go in there and a doctor comes and sees me and he takes like a tuft, of, you know, a length of wire with a tuft of cotton and he shoves it down my penis. And it was like incredibly painful. Oh, God. And I'm just like in trauma and I can't tell anybody. And I'm just I'm in hell right now. And then this really sweet southern black woman nurse comes in she's got like these i could hear her thighs rubbing together she's got these white polyester pants and i could hear them going and she sits down with me and she goes "Mm, so baby you got the gonococcus (laughs) and i go is that like gonorrhea she goes "Mm, baby it is gonorrhea and i said i i think you might have mixed up my test with someone else's because this girl was a virgin and she goes no baby (laughs) <laughs> and I go are you sure she goes yes baby I go but she, she she told me she was a virgin she goes no she looks at me like you poor dumb bastard <laughs> and I go and this like AIDS was new then so I was like am I gonna die she goes no you ain't gonna die baby doctor gonna come come in and give you antibiotics and five days you're gonna take it you'll be right as rain And I said, okay. And then she pulls out like a giant novelty brandy snifter, like this big, like a goldfish bowl full of condoms. You know, those really thick, unusable ones that are like bright red, yellow, blue, green. And she goes, take a few. I go, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not touching any more girls. They're all dirty liars. She goes, that is true. Take a few. (laughs) And I go, no. And she goes, take them. And I go, fine. And I grab like three and then I threw them in the garbage can in the parking lot just to be polite. And that was that and then cut to like 10 years later uh-huh. i fly back to chicago to go to mayor daly's black tie ball and i'm walking through the tent and i'm in my tux and i see her and she is uh not not looking well which brought me great joy of course because i hated her for this <laughs> and we just locked eyes like buck in the bucks in the wild we're walking through the tent we both froze and i'm like and i look at her and i'm like good <laughs> And that was that. Oh, my God. Scott Nathan, Big Book of Bad Decisions. Um, Also on TikTok, you do almost daily video posts. It's Scott Nathan Photo. Scott Nathan Photo on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Scott Nathan. And um, one more time, the Kickstarter website where people can be a part of this amazing book and storytelling because you're going to be going on tour, I bet. Yes. Hedging my bets here. Lots to come. Yes, go to baddecisionsbook.com and click on the Kickstarter link. Love you, my friend. Thank Thank you for stopping by. Thank you so much for having me.